Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, today we have a wonderful guest here to talk about Nico, Keldheim, and Queerness and Magic. Uh, Megan, uh, normally we'd have an opening question, but since this is the first time you've been on the show, uh, can you introduce yourself, tell our listeners where to find you on the internet, and, and what you do? Uh, hi, I am Megan. I go by Sheepwave, generally. Um, I am an artist and general opinion haver about magic and also a little bit of other things. Um, I am probably most known for the fact that I am constantly illustrating my own alternate art and card frames and posting those on my Twitter, which is, you can find with Sheepwave, just searching Sheepwave. Um, but yeah, I love putting unique spins and seeing my sort of sense of humor or sense of styles or people that look like me on magic cards, which definitely leads into what we are talking about. And I will say too, if people haven't had a chance to check it out, the, the, um, alters that you make, well, the proxies that you make are beautiful. Uh, I have some that I've been fortunate enough to get. And then also you've taken some of your amazing designs with goblins. So for all of you listening to this right now, Megan does an amazing series of goblin art and you can actually purchase in her store, uh, which is through Redbubble. There are a bunch of designs and you can get everything from magnets to uh, stickers to shirts. I actually, uh, if you go on to, oh, this is Hobbs, by the way, I guess I should do a mini introduction. You can find me online at Hobbs Q. If you look at my Twitter feed right now, you'll actually see my avatar is art from Megan of goblins and it is a goblin podcaster. And I ordered a magnet for Gwen to put on her little mini fridge magnets that we made, stickers, sweatshirts. I mean, her work is absolutely phenomenal. And so I just wanted to throw that plug in there straight up as kind of a, this is an endorsement that is personal. And I've actually seen the stuff. I can comment on it without just, yeah, so. Yeah, and just to quickly get my intro out of the way, this is Alex, found on Twitter at Mel underscore Chronicler. So Megan actually approached kind of us with with an idea. You know, her and I had been talking over the summer about potentially having her on the show. And we were throwing around some episode ideas. We were uncertain. We knew that we wanted to collaborate with her. We were unsure what that was going to look like. And then kind of everything has been happening. Our schedules have gotten so far off. Recently, her and I talked again. And she kind of said, hey, I still want to be on the show. And and we will, and I kind of said, well, what do we, do you have an idea? What would you like to talk about? And she pitched this episode idea to us. And it is a topic that we had wanted to cover for quite a while. Um, and just wanting to have kind of a guest that would be very appropriate for it, knowing that this may not be, you know, the area that Alex and I have as much kind of direct real world experience with. So Megan, do you want to kind of talk about what you what you proposed or just what, what we're going to talk about today? So we were going to, what, what interests me to talk about is um, specifically Kaltheim has a character in it who has very much been uh, front and center of the way that they've been advertising Kaltheim, who is a non-binary, a non-binary planeswalker. They are not the first non-binary character in Magic, but this is the first time that any character has been visibly queer in magic. Um, you know, ex excluding some cases where a card had like some goblin looking longingly at like captivating crew or whatever. Like this is, this is the first 
real like face character that you look at them and you know exactly who they are. Yeah, I mean, we we were talking, you know, like we have the um, the 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 group hug Kiranos and um, that are like two two men on a card together. We know that we talked about this before. We had the the partners from the trapping partners from Innistrad, but they weren't really faces. They were kind of there. They were they were on the art. They were a card. We kind of had a little bit, but they were not. That wasn't their just identity and there wasn't the story or like you said the marketing or the face behind them yeah k and t are we're, we're close like you you could with i believe the guardians of melodus was in their deck but mm-hmm. you still don't look at them and and know exactly the full story you, you kind of do but yeah that was also i don't remember how many i, I was trying to stealthily look up what year that came out that was that was many years ago and you know um, we have come a long way and it hadn't really been reflected as much. Um, mm-hmm. there are still, uh, single digit queer legendary characters in magic. Mm-hmm. Um, or, le- you know, le- legendary meaning creatures, I suppose. And then I'm going to count Nico as well. Um, well, and, and, um, a little bit to do, you know, like uh, the novels we do not talk about on here, but, you know, uh, we have a relationship of Rao. Um, Mm -hmm. with, with, uh, my brain just went blank, but when they were, War of the Spark was something that we try not to talk about, but, but we got Tomic, which is very sweet, but, but still, you know, we are talking very small numbers Mm -hmm. in general. And I think it's, I think it's good that there's kind of been a mix of visible, well, no, there hasn't been a mix. There's only been <laughs> there's only been um, incidentally queer characters, which is a good form of representation to just know like these are characters that are not special for what for this being a part of them. They're just present in this universe and you know living. Um, yeah, just happens to be a part of the the spectrum of humanity, and so these people are part of that. But Nico, you know, Nico kind of. W- w- Nico when was presented. I mean, I remember when I saw the the spoiler for Nico and saw kind of just the, a blurb. I was struck initially. I just saw the pronoun they, and I said, "Whoa, okay, I need to step back." Like, is was this intentional? Right? Like, okay, is, is this? We have kind of the we've had. Uh, I'm just thinking with like Ashiok. A lot of people had there had been questions about non-binary and what what pronoun ashiok was definitely interesting i don't believe that they ever intended ashiok to be queer no i believe they intended ashiok to be like unknowable like the original right if you read it now the original story they appear in is really funny and just how it dances around pronouns it like (laughs) it like it 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 it's it's like there was a story guide that they that they sort of released, like wizards, that said specifically Ashiok doesn't have pronouns early on. <laughs> so they're trying to talk about it in a story makes it very difficult. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's definitely you know part part of the queer experience is not being sure if you like or not the fact that so much of your representation is in aliens and robots and monsters like on one hand it's like yeah i love aliens robots and monsters and then on the other hand but i'm a human like mm-hmm. i kind of want to see humans that are like me yeah um, and it's part of why nico is so important yeah now i am i i i am not 
I would not say I identify as non-binary specifically. I am a trans woman, um, you know, roughly more or less. A- any queer person will tell you that like there's always an asterisk and and there's a full story, yada yada. But well, yeah. So I I I have I have a great I ha- obviously I have great kinship with the people for whom um, Nico directly represents. I have I have friends who look pretty much exactly like Nico does. <laughs> like any 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 queer person either is Nico, knows Nico, or both. So with looking at Nico, I want to kind of talk a little bit about so I, and I will post this in the, the show notes, but there is actually an article about the creation of Nico kind of discussing. I think it was a feature article on Wizards to recognize the fact that people were going to have these questions and they wanted to talk about who Nico was, give Nico backstory, not just drop Nico into Kaldheim. Mm-hmm. And if I recall, like that was the day their card was previewed too, was they put this feature up. So they, they wanted to be front forward with that message. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, let's see. Where is the, I'm just, I'm just pulling the article up myself. Yeah. It's, when I read that article, it was it was really nice. Um, something that I noticed as I was doing research on not this, but an unrelated thing I'm working on, is that Nico is the. Ooh, first. I like that tease. That's a good. Yeah. <laughs> now you guys really have. Yeah, to yeah. There's there. a reason Nico was on my mind, but um, <laughs> I mean, I've also done a Nico card that was that was very very fun to do, but um, all basically every step of the way for Nico's development has been non-binary and trans people like the i i don't i i know for a fact uh let me see where is where is that article so chris mooney one of the one of the people uh in this in the who is in in the uh the article about creating nico um when i put out a tweet saying um that that I actually greatly appreciate that this character that they're throwing on their promoted tweets is visibly queer and that that really means something. One of the designers actually responded to me by saying that um, during the design process, they talked about that a lot. um, And Chris Mooney, as a non-binary person who is very male presenting, um, they, they had actually favored some of the more subtle designs, but they decided that they wanted to be very loud and like make it very clear because you know people seeing people like themselves is very important one of one of the other things that that i i is not as much like something i can speak to but the other face of kel time is is a young black woman who is of that is the kind of person that magic mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. not see as much of and it's really nice that these two people are who they've decided they want to advertise based on like for a company it doesn't mean much until they bu- they put money behind it. And that, that you know, while I'm not one to take uh, validation specifically from, you know, capitalism, it does mean a lot. To say that this is profitable. I mean, we always kind of talk about this, that, that sometimes because we live in a capitalistic society, when you see the needle move towards something like this, it is because a company believes that they are not going to lose money off of doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just... The basic way to put this is companies do this. Uh, unfortunately, fortunately, however we want to talk about it, when they know that this is going to be in their best interest. 
Yeah. And, and as a very short aside about the podcast too, like we've mentioned in the past, like we, we've kind of taken a steps away from talking about the story simply because we didn't really like the directions that was happening and things that were going on there. But these are small, but very positive steps that wizard is taking the other direction. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they continue in this, this trajectory. And this can be a thing that we start to involve in the cast more often. On a related note, something that I wanted to touch on just as we get started, when we look at the actual story of Nico, I think that this is something that has come up on the podcast a lot, is we always talk about trauma, and we talk about that experience and how in the past, Wizards has really relied on, and most a lot of literature relies on the trauma narrative. Oh, yeah. This is great to me because Nico does not. Nico is Nico actually so if we want to just talk briefly about the story Nikos is originally from Theros um an oracle foresaw a great future for Nico is kind of a, a, a an athlete too this is the other part that's um really good uh Lorelei uh, so Lorelei writes has a thread on this that I will also link that talks a little bit about kind of being almost like the college athlete uh they're very much it, kind of that was what they were almost believed to be like a destiny element. Well, Nico decided to challenge fate. And, and in some ways, the gods lost a competition purposefully. And the realization that they could control their own fate is what set Nico on their pathway, which ended up being, you know, kind of th- they're being pursued by Clothis. And um, my mind's going to go blank. But no, yeah, it was Clothis and Clothis agents. And one of the people that they were going to confront was Nico, because Nico had dared to defy them in the competition. And it was during that that Nico's spark ignited. It said a minute moment of fear, which I'm going to just ignore that because I wish they would have left it out. But it is rebellion. Nico actually sparked in a very different way and also sparked by choosing a pathway for themselves. Yeah. And I, I also like that the story, while it's not in the game itself, but so we talk about how the game is a combat focused thing. So we tend to only see combat. But I do like that their story involves sporting events. It's obviously that's not showing up in the game itself, but it's nice that they're kind of building that world out and that there's more than just people hitting each other going on in, in this universe. Yeah, it's. Um... It is also interesting that their Kyle time story kind of focuses on them as not being very combat oriented and like is it is more focused on this idea of them exploring this world. Um, Obviously, for many, um, for many, you know, trans and non-binary people, the the idea of feeling like you're defying destiny or whatever is pretty resonant but i like (laughs) that nowhere did they say that the destiny that nico defied was by being who they are Um, right it wasn't about nico's deciding that they were by non-binary that's not what led to the discovery yeah i like i like that especially as it contrasts with a with a with the other big 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 queer uh not non-binary non-binary side trans character in magic so let's let's jump over to the the other character because the other character i believe so one of the people who was also involved besides chris mooney in that article on nico was um allison Steele, who is a trans woman 
And in that article on Nico, she talks about kind of wanting to step back and know that she had maybe adjacent experience. You know, it's not the same lived experience as being non-binary. She was able to kind of pull on her experience from, you know, being trans, but she wanted to listen to the non-binary folks in the room. Uh, what themes were important? especially important for them with their gendered experience or what it was. She also then talks about the fact that she was involved with this other character that we're going to talk about, which comes from, you know, many years ago and was kind of one of our first, I mean, it was our first experience, I think, with a canonically trans character, which is Alesha. And, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just say Alison Steele. Um, I just, I just opened her Twitter and, what, you know, one of the things that she just tweeted about is her excitement that uh, on her first pack on Arena had Nico in it and just the feeling of such emotion um, behind, like, this finally being a real thing. Um, but yeah, so to talk about Alesha, Alesha is, like, if there is any one piece of story that has probably changed more for the community as a whole i i it is i i think it is without question the alesha story the truth of names is the most influential piece of the magic lore that exists when it like when it comes to the effects on the real world i what when was the truth of names published let me see uh 2015 so we're going on six years ago that it actually well i mean wow it it was actually january 28th so um, and it was written by James Wyatt for people if they want to check out. Um, and I will link this also in our show notes for today. Yeah. The 2015 was a different time. And to be honest, I think Alesha was probably really hard to sell at the time. Um, the, th this story, The Truth of Names is one of the reasons that I got brought back into magic, which is obviously the reason it's the most influential because me personally, um, I have changed so much. Um, jokes aside though, um, I, th I know that that is the case for a lot of trans people who like, so my, my own story is that when I was much younger, like 11 to 15, um, I was very interested in magic and, I fell off of it after a really bad experience at a event, but, you know, I didn't, the reason I fell off of it was a feeling of it not being safe for me, uh, that the community was not one that I would be able to be present in. Um, and the combination of that story, which really, really resonates with so many trans people, um, it's not it's not like a lot of these other queer characters we mentioned where they are just kind of a character that is there and they happen to be queer. Um, Alesha being trans is deeply interwoven with her entire story and her like the entire story of A Truth of Names is her asserting her right to determine who she is and someone questioning and then accepting her. Yeah, so basically she is fighting, and, and part of this is you get the decision to, you know, you have to kind of like 
prove yourself in battle to get your name, um, which is kind of your war name. I think this this whole story is an analogy or is, is meant to be that setup. Um, she gets questioned by one of the orcs that is part of the Mardu clan, who basically says that she is a human boy posing who thinks that who thinks that he is a woman i mean all of the gendering and everything is going on from this orc like during this this battle and which she does i mean she's like alesha basically wins the right to name herself and she's like she basically is like killed a dragon she's standing there covered in blood the 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 mardu are around her and she just you know, she comes to them and she just is trying to come up with a name in some ways, kind of like, what is she going to choose? And she chooses her grandmother's name. There's the, the name that came, her grandmother's um, name. I, I, I will point out that you are you are mixing up two parts of the story there. Oh, um, shoot. Sorry. It, it is it is actually That's right. So, so the, the present <laughs> of the story is, That's right. is that she is already she is already the leader of the Mardu. Um and one of her one of her lieutenants or whatever like underlings questions her and and backs up this by by challenging her in in what what we would call in in our society as a transphobic attack but you know the, i'm not going to call it that for this situation because it's not really a clear one to one analogy but um she basically just kicks ass and is like no anyway um yeah, sorry. So the, yeah, they're switching back and forth in time on this. Um, the, yeah, the orcs, it's split between yeah. it's split between her memory of choosing her name and this battle with Colgan's, uh, or is it Colgan? Yeah, Colgan's uh, brood or whatever. Um, but yeah, that that story, this idea of proving yourself self-determination obviously that has some parallels with nico though nico's story does not in any way consider uh their their personal identity to be up for debate um and i'm not i'm not criticizing the alesha story for the fact that it it does pose that because that i think that the fact that it does that is the reason that it resonates so well is that that is like it, you've kind of got to mix it, in my opinion, between like these joyful stories where things are at their, you know, their best possible and stories where you where it talks about, you know, the bad side of things. One of the one of the interesting things about Nico's stories is that uh, they're not even the only non-binary present uh, person present in the story. Um, one of the one of the, the captains that they use goes by um I, b- I believe it's Z- it's Z it's it's the X E pronoun which I cannot remember off the top of my head if it is pronounced Zay I'm gonna assume Zay, um. So like and also that story was also written by a non-binary person, um. So yeah, it is nice to see all these elements coming together on this character. So you you mentioned you know when we were talking before this because you and I were were talking yesterday a little bit back and forth kind of planning for the show and talking about Alesha you know you mentioned that you left the game and you left the game especially after feeling kind of not safe especially at events right is mm-hmm. is this kind of your experience when you were younger and very into the game you mentioned to me that Alesha was actually one of the things that really pushed you coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had 
I had recently, uh, you know, undergone a lot of life changes, like a lot of life changes. And I was on some discord and somebody and, and talking about like, I was just reminiscing about magic, the gathering. Um, I still had a deep fondness for it. Um, like the reason I do alter art now is because I did this lightning bolt t-shirt design. Um, and I was just talking about that lightning bolt design and someone on this discord mentioned that there actually was a trans character in magic. And I, as someone who had such a negative experience associated with that being a part of who I was, was very surprised and intrigued. And it really sucked me back in um, reading the articles online. Um, I also, after reading The Truth of Names, heard that, that Chandra, uh, I quit at around the time of Loro, and so I knew who Chandra was, Though I did not, I did not have a, a fond recollection of the concept of planeswalkers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's just let's be, we'll say that. I mean, that's carried over for a lot of people, so that's fine. I, I, I feel much. I obviously, I, I feel much better about them now than I did at the time when they were. <laughs> it was this new thing. You had to track a number that wasn't even like physically on the card. What is this? <laughs> um, what are these effects? A plus and a minus? Yeah, like, oh. What is this? Uh, this isn't magic. Anyway, um, this is going to kill magic for sure. Anyway, so hearing that, that Chandra and Nissa had this thing as well, like I, I basically just went down this rabbit hole this one night and I, I inhaled the the story articles on the mothership um and being able to see so much of myself represented in these characters in a way i never had like when i there had been a time when i was kind of invested in the story but like that was like in the time spiral novels the um the kamigawa novels like like those like you know those are were cool but they didn't I didn't see myself in them the same way that I was able to see myself in the characters like Alesha, Nissa, Chandra, and to some extent, uh, Yeheni, who I will. <laughs> Again, the teaser. This is Again, why with the teaser you, of you a need thing to go that follow already... Megan. We need to go, you, everybody, go follow Megan because there's going to be more to come. Yeah, I, I won't go in too deep on Yeheni because I, you know, I'm literally working on a thesis length script on that one but i want to mention just briefly kind of what you were saying a little bit about this idea of just representation you know and we talked a little bit about that kind of think at the start where it was just kind of characters on cards or with alesha even i would say you had to be involved with the story to know this like you weren't going to necessarily know if you were somebody that's not a lore-based person and maybe are only consuming things off of cards themselves it wouldn't necessarily be something that would even be considered. This was extra stuff that you had to be following. You had to be engaged. You had to be almost an entrenched person or hear about it from other entrenched people to learn about this piece of Alesha. It's not like it was on the card clearly standing out. Um, I do think that there's a difference with Nico and the appearance of Nico that does, as you kind of said, scream queerness in a different way. The 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 chapter which shall not be named from the book that shall not be named 
was a thing that was only able to happen because Chandra's queerness was not an embedded part of her. Um, Nico being... Nico has queerness as an embedded part of their character. And, you know, while they could just never have another card again, maybe, I don't know. I, It's not... I think I'm one of many people who felt very burned by Chandra more or less being retconned. And, you know, this is kind of a money where, where their mouth is situation where that's not an option with this character. And they did com- they did commit resources and they did commit to making a whole bunch of people real mad about the politics in my card games by having this person exist in it. But yeah, apparently existence is political. That's what I've learned. I recently. mean, listen, if you're trans, you you get used to that one, but. I mean, it is right. Like it's it's that that idea that just ex- examples, and this is you know we've had this with some of our guests. I think we, we mentioned this kind of with talking with um, both uh, Elia the Veil and with Daquan about kind of that idea that seeing yourself on a card. And I think you brought this up earlier. Uh, I believe Daquan was the one who mentioned this, and Alex, correct me if I'm wrong. That he talked about the like representation being like the other in a race or being like a robot or being you know like you said it's not being necessarily a human yeah because that was there was some question and i I can't remember how exactly it was worded what the question was but it was about koth and and Juan was saying that right like which is like it's unclear also koth is not human it's not the same as the representation that you get from seeing like an actual human yeah Mm -hmm. And that's that's something I, I brought up from when we were going through our Commander Legends because they had the two big articles with all the legends from Commander Legends, and there was actually a one of those legends um, just had they them as their pronouns, and and that was right after Nico. This whole feature article came out for Nico, which which was really cool to see. That I, it, I think I think it was actually before the article for Nico. It was right. Oh, sorry, we were recording it right after the <laughs> article. Timelines don't time exist when it comes to podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But it was it was in there. There was, that was kind of almost a preview. That we remember we were t- we talked about that that like there was the pronouns listed, and it was just kind of yeah. there. There. That that same article though had the absolutely hysterical decision to describe Helena and Alana as uh, partners in 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 uh, in hunting <laughs> and life or and something. And life, yep, it did. It was it was the most <laughs> uh, BS description <laughs> I've ever seen. We get it. <laughs> like, and it was, but then I I saw that and I was like, well, that's as far as they're willing to push it. I guess I guess I know the answer to how far they're willing to go. They're willing to like it felt like they were willing to indirectly suggest that queer people exist in this universe, but that maybe you know people love blaming China for this stuff, which mm. I don't think is really. I don't think that that is true. I think that the real people that companies are usually scared of is American and British bigots in particular. Um. Because, as it turns out, they can just block the story articles in China if they want to. Right. And that's what they did. And, and I, now we get to have Nico and, um, and uh, I, I forget the name, Stoneback, 
going on an adventure where you've got two non-binary characters traversing realms on on the like in the I guess it was technically a side story, but like the main story for magic. Yeah, and I I wonder. I don't know. I don't know a, a lot about all the things surrounding it, but I wonder if they were just trying to, you know, nod and wink at the fact that those two had partner and it's like, okay, but just say it. Sometimes I mean, there, there is a, there is a joke to be made here that the fact that they don't have partner with just means that they're in an open relationship. Uh, that, that's amazing. I have an unfinished altar. That's just the two of them in a, in like a nightclub, like eyeing up, like, Thrasios and Timna and oh, I'm, I love like, it. I'm trying to like find the right like experimental frenzy exploration like there's there's so many good names <laughs> I should really finish that altar um it's been sitting in my to finish folder for a long well, time we actually did comment on our when we did the commander legends that it was kind of ironic that they didn't have partner with because it had been but they wanted it for commander legends we talked about this from the the Melvin instead of the Vorthos kind of the mechanical piece that it's kind of, you know, it would have been funny to have them only partner with. Yeah. yeah. Well, they wanted to have the opening for useless. limited. It would have made them useless and limited, though. So I think I right. think the idea that they're that they're in an open relationship is the much funnier. Um, and honestly, if you're a queer person, like you, like half your friends are, are some form of poly anyway. So right. I, mean, I was gonna say, like the joke I always see is like the polycules that exist, especially <laughs> a, a, among queer women. Um, more so, I see it. But yes, so so you know, well, you're talking a little bit, Megan, about the fact that Alesha kind of brought you back to the game during that time too. Though since then, we have seen just frustrating situations. After frustrating situations. Yeah, Alesha was a high to- point, and then there was a low point. Um, I know people like blaming a specific story manager getting hired, but I, I don't think it's that simple. Um, I mean, w- what we could talk about a little bit is it was hiring an external story team in general, because the, there had been, I think, world building by people like Allison and Chris um, that we have that were working on these characters that had been planting the seeds. And I think pushing a little bit what they could and then wizards decided to basically go external for story yeah for a while it's it's also interesting because like some of like i know um the the what was it wildred quest had like like lots of well i mean it had it had there there is there is a whole other thing to talk about which is the fact that a lot of a lot of magic characters that were not specifically canonically queer have very queer readings that like you know like put put a bunch of of queer magic fans in a room and and throw a planeswalker at us and we will we will have some 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 of the like some of them like uh jason oko in particular this isn't one i feel as comfortable talking about because i'm not a trans man but a lot of trans men have like see elements of themselves in both of those characters in different ways um and the fact that that uh, that they are required to do that says a lot. <laughs> like maybe maybe there shouldn't have just been one trans character in all of Magic's canon for six years, but and maybe at this point there should be a trans man as well. But you know, baby steps. 
I know that when we did the uh, Jason toxic masculinity episode, we did have somebody that approached us because, um, you know, we sought feedback on that episode that talked about a lot with their reading of Jason's a trans man, which really does change the way that this story. So it's um, I mean, it's at robot rad uh, is the person. Oh, sorry. At robot underscore rad um, on Twitter even kind of approached us to talk about this idea that that there has been kind of um, th this coding of Jace as a trans man, which would change in some ways even the framing of the toxic masculinity discussion that we had. It was a very interesting discussion to, to, to kind of go through on Twitter because it was not a reading that I knew about. It was not a reading that I would have personally seen. And so trying to see things from those perspectives really changes readings that we may have on some characters. Yeah. There is there is a definite separate queer space of sorts that exists on many discords, many, you know, that several of the Vorthos discords I'm on are actually also just effectively like a queer space, but have never been designated as such because there is a huge bias I have observed. Obviously my perceptions are biased. That I think that a lot of, of queer magic fans like the story in particular. Um, but there there is definitely like a certain discussion of things that were never intended. And it, it just the, the stuff about about Jace um in particular as being a trans man, I've seen it many times from many people. And I know uh, I I I think that it perfectly fits with the character. It wouldn't even be like a retcon exactly, and it would, uh, you know, it 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 would definitely complicate things greatly. And I understand why they would uh, not want to just suddenly do that out of the blue. But I don't know. I think it would be neat. I mean, it, it yeah. I mean, this goes back to the whole discussion of, of Jason. Jace being kind of the. Um, the face of magic or was the face of magic. And that was a decision that was consciously made at that point. And you probably, it, I mean, we, we have a lot of, unfortunately, I think that it is the reading that we have currently. We have a lot of the, the men that probably identify with Jace being more of potentially that toxic fandom or that, that part that. It, it would, it would absolutely tickle me pink to have, to see the toxic men in the fandom have to identify with a character that had been trans the whole time without oh, yeah. knowing. That yeah. would be hilarious. Oh yeah. But uh yeah, I you know I I I think that these steps that they've taken recently mean a lot and I am very glad that they're doing it. Um but yeah there is still further to go that they can definitely go that's kind of, you know, so the structure we kind of normally go through is we, we've talked a lot about this story and what it kind of has, has meant, the directions that they've taken, the steps and missteps over the last couple of years. We like to kind of talk about, well, what does this mean? You know, like, what are the actionable steps? What, the, what does this mean to for the members of the queer community in Magic and also the allies in Magic to be able to see these characters and see this as part of the story, have it be just not need an explanation, just be. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering from your perspective, Megan, even if it's speaking more to the trans experience, what this means for kind of the space that people that are trans non-binary have in magic and in, I mean, in the community at large. The thing that I have been championing for a long time 
is that legendary characters and planeswalker cards need a pro need a pronoun field. It is it is bonkers that they still don't have one. Um, and it's not like they've never put random story information in the collector's box before. There's like the the big story spotlight text. That spot could be a pronoun field. And then people wouldn't have to ask questions. Like it it has irked me many a time when I played my Yeheni or my Ashiok and somebody said he. And it's just like like I get like what they mean. Like I understand what they're trying to say. And I understand that most magic players don't even know that Yeheni has does it doesn't go by he or anything. And until you masculine one in the yep. story. Until you but, mentioned it today, that was not something that I actually. That was not one of the characters that I knew of specifically in that in that space. Yeah, I. Uh, this is totally unconfirmed speculation on my part, but I believe that Yeheni was actually based on people from the Stonewall riots because they fit into the Kaladesh theme really well. Like that is a part of the story that is not even remotely reflected on the card, and. It's, it just irks me because I, I can fit it on a pixel art card. A pixel art card where the text is three times larger than it is on the normal card. I can still fit in. Um, I can still fit in a pronoun field on my altars. Right. Like, and I'm good. I've, I've been doing that on all my legendary characters moving forward. Just, just to, because I want to normalize that. Um. I know I've seen other altruists in the community start to do it as well, which I'm really happy about. Like, in general, the magic community has been pretty receptive to pronoun fields. Um, to toot my own horn a bit, like, Spell Table has a pronoun field. You know that thing that when yeah. magic sw switched over the account system and you couldn't rename yourself anymore? You know that field where you were able to type in your own name? That was my idea. I'm the one who suggested that, and I'm really happy that the either dev or devs at spell table implemented that pronoun field in like two days after I bitched about it. Oh, I mean, well, I, I, say after it was I complained so, about it on Twitter. It was so quick because I mean, you know, being as somebody who's been trying to take that lead of, of people telling me, yes, we want you to put pronouns places. Most of the games I was in when I was streaming with anybody during this time, everybody would put the pronoun field in. It was just kind of a, a, a general thing. Um, we'd, didn't do it at the start of today because we got right into the episode. We normally, when doing our introductions, try to include it. And as you said, like there has been, I think, a willingness of the magic community to not, you know, the pushback that we see is the pushback we're always going to see. And it's from a very loud group. Yeah. And that loud group, I don't think, is going to be the one that is pushing this game forward. Uh, when when I suggested the idea, I had a much more radical solution, which was that you literally couldn't not enter something there. Um, it, it would it would like default to they them, and then they could pick like, and it would let you pick from a drop down thing. That obviously wouldn't work for everyone, but I just thought it would have been really. Like that would, you know, in the end, it's probably for the best they didn't do that. But especially because, you know, now everyone has a free form field they can type their name into. Yes. Um, well, but it, I actually just laugh because, it, like, you know, the idea when somebody says, I don't have pro, or like, why do you need to put pronouns? And then you point out, like, well, you have pronouns, right? Like, <laughs> these aren't like mythical things. They're not, <laughs> they're not weird. Like, everybody has them. You just haven't 
decided that your pronouns need to be changed or your pronouns are not what you were assigned by your parents or by yeah. society. It's, it's, de it's definitely been tricky because, and this is something, even as a trans person, I'm not perfect at, which is when you're trying to track like a complicated board state, somebody's webcam is kind of fuzzy and you hear a low register voice, it's very easy to default. Or you hear a high register voice and it's a trans man that you're playing with. With that, that one, I haven't made that mistake yet, but you know what? It'll happen eventually because mistakes do happen. And that, no, that was before the field existed. And just normalizing being able to exchange that information and have it be present and something that people don't really think about is so important. And I, I know that for me, when I used to uh, try to move away from the default of just my opponent being a male on MTGO back, I, back very early on, I would try to, I, I would use them like, and I always had used them for an unknown when it moved to then somebody that is non-binary and I, and I have to be tr tracking that it still is sometimes difficult to get they, them, or, you know, like, I don't know why, like I still struggle at times or I'm, I slip, especially when I'm, I think when you're talking about that game state where I'm hearing a voice, my, I still have these unconscious, just assigning based on kind of what I hear. The field helps me. It kind of like helps me be at least mm -hmm. be able to track it. It's it's not weird that people will have difficulty overcoming decades of expectations and speech patterns. The important part, in my opinion, is that you actually put effort in because the effort required to adjust your speech patterns is disproportionately small compared to how much more welcome it makes people feel. Um, I've only... I have personally not really been actively misgendered over spell table maybe it happened once but um but if i see it to happen happen to someone else it sticks in my head for like the rest of the day it drastically affects the way i behave in the game like i i think that for people who are not used to having to fight for their own identity they don't maybe necessarily realize just how Insulting is maybe not the right word, but it it can put you on the defensive and yeah. yeah. I will say that, you know, and I this be being kind of trying to, to make the effort, and I want to say this to people that might be listening to the show that this might be brand new to, or just they're tr they're wanting to learn, they're making the effort, it's new. Um it sticks with me when I misgender somebody, even when I am able to correct myself right away or I recognize it. And I think that is part of my personality. I'll fully admit it, that it does stick with me because it feels like I disrespected the person. And like you said, in insulting, even unintentionally, I'm trying to move away from it as much as I can. I mean, I, 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 I want to lessen the times that it happens and I do recognize it. I'm not going to be perfect with it. Yeah. I, the most important thing is for people to try and push themselves to do their best and to be mindful that over-apologizing can also make someone feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. If you catch yourself doing it, I'd say apologize once and just move on. It would be my, you know, there's my PSA advice. If you misgender someone by accident, apologize directly and just don't make the mistake again and you'll probably be fine. But, you know, acknowledge that you may... You like if you're in a magic game and you do that, acknowledge that
that you might suddenly find yourself being chosen to be attacked for what seems like no reason. <laughs> I'm fine implementing that as an actual general rule. Like, like that's that's people will learn consequences. I mean, I'll be honest. I I, I once picked who would be the lethal banefire off of um off of how they had twice had a slip on someone else in the game and i was just like you know what you know what the less you talk the less likely this happens a third time so guess who's getting bane fired i mean you know like i'm 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 exaggerating my my real feelings at that moment for comedic effect because i i wouldn't say it was like vindictive but yeah yeah there probably there, there there at least may have been an element of it that even if you didn't even think about it that could have been there right i mean mm-hmm. we're, we're obviously talking about this as extremes yeah, um, it's like ma- magic players will 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 analyze every part of how they're playing politically other than how respectful they're being to their to their opponent's <laughs> sense of identity <laughs> Like, oh, I better fetch the the Shockland and not the True Duel, so I don't seem like I'm like like I'm money bags over here. Um, he, so how is he? I mean, she. Like, <laughs> which of these things do you think people are are gonna notice more? <laughs> oh, this is that's been just great. And like I said, I think for me, having you on to talk about what this space means to you, and as you said, not speaking directly to the non-binary experience that may be separate from your own, but what it means to have this level of representation, this level of actual thoughtfulness that went into the development of a character. And once again, a character that has been at the forefront of this set that is right there, that is a key part of the story and of the marketing, Mm -hmm. speaks, I think, to what a lot of us are hoping to see moving forward to see that maybe, you know, we know that wizards makes missteps. We know that correcting missteps takes time. We want to see that the effort is happening or me. I'm going to speak for myself. I'm using we very broadly. Me personally need to see that to feel more comfortable in the support that I am giving to this company. Mm-hmm. I, there are, there are two, no, there, there, there are three things that I've ever had people just act irrationally angry at me about. And one of them is that I'm a vegetarian. And some people hear that and they're like, wow, I'm irrationally angry at you. Because they think you're judging them. And right. it's more like, no, no, I don't care. Do whatever. The other is that between Theros pre-release and... Nico being spoiled, I did not buy Magic product once. I did not. I also did not buy singles that are were in that are were in sets currently in standard and still being allocated. I did not give Wizards any money during that time, not a cent, because I felt like that was when I had, I heard the first rumblings of what would eventually become a full blown scandal about their racial equality stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the LGS that I happened to go to, I happened to go to, I'm not sure if it even still exists, just happened to be a hotbed for pro players who live in the New York area. And I heard things, um, you know, 
in what what is what's the Latin for in wine there is truth? I heard things in under altered states of mind that I 100% believed and then later found out to be 100% true. Um and I decided that I was going to need to take a break from supporting this company that I was basing so much of my emotional energy on. When there were there were a bunch of things that led to me starting to feel comfortable with spending money on wizard stuff again. Um, part of it was that I saw that they really did make an effort to do better hiring practices. Um, we haven't seen the results of that yet, I think. Maybe. It's hard to say. Um, the other was seeing... See, but seeing the Kaya and Nico being the faces that they were advertising with on Twitter was what made me realize that there was a genuine desire to change their perception at the very least. And like, I was like, it was depressing being a magic creator who had a personal rule to not buy magic product. Like, I still ended up opening some of it because people were very generous and gifted it to me without me asking. But, you know, I, people got irrationally mad at me for that whenever I mentioned it. And I realized it was because a lot of people felt like I was judging them because I had made a moral stand. And unlike my vegetarianism, which is for dietary reasons, I was making a moral stand. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people knew, perhaps that I was in the right for doing so and they were in the wrong, but I don't know with Nico and Kaya being these front facing characters, I feel better again. I feel like, you know, I'll be honest, I'm letting them off the hook too easy. We'll and I, mean, I will, I, 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 it was, it was, it happened to be a very good time to not be buying product. I wasn't able to draft anyway, which would normally be the main way I would spend money on magic, but you know, in a pandemic was an easy time, especially when I am a proxy artist who can, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a stack of mana crypts on my desk right now. Like there, <laughs> I, certain, certain financial limitations don't exist for me that other people who refuse to use proxies, even in casual formats, they do have those limitations, but yeah, it, it means a lot. I, I want to say just real quick to not only having Nico and Kaya, but a lot of Kaldheim, I think that they were very intentional to have this be a Norse world that would not uh, uh, not oh boy that angle <laughs> it would not be aimed at white supremacist. I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that like this was not this Kaldheim was intentionally not aimed at that. This this was like to say nope, that is not our Norse world. Our our Viking world is not accepting of white supremacy which is i think that was another thing that was important to me to see which is a pretty good change after it took them so long to remove uh invoke prejudice from gatherer well, yeah mm -hmm. which i if people want to believe that it's gatherer number was a coincidence go right ahead i don't um so yeah i feel i as someone who has a background in people who are against those sorts of political movements. Um, I 
I would say we don't need to beat around the bush. Anybody, if you're listening to this and you're surprised right now, I I am just I'm avoiding. I, I don't know. I'm avoiding anything that could auto scan uh, the speech patterns and figure out. Okay, you know, mar- mark it as certain topics. So yes, I was against a a a, a certain fa, shall we say? So. As someone who has a background in being, you know, involved and adjacent to that, I saw the move to radicalize Calcom coming from miles away. Um, you know, in some of my some of the the discords that I lurk on alternate accounts to keep an eye on and prevent upcoming attacks on people, I saw I saw it firsthand what was going to happen if Calcom had been the thing that these people expected. Um, you know, a fun fact that a lot of people don't know is that white uh, you know, like white supremacists love Skyrim. They love Skyrim in particular be because it has this like fantasy idea that has never existed in real life and also has some questionable choices about who the true villains are. They, like, they, also, they like to choose specific elements of, yeah. They they choose to miss the fact that that the Nord like leader is like supposed to be a racist idiot being mm-hmm. manipulated, but yeah. you know Skyrim is for the Nords. Sure did almost become an unironic dog whistle, and that <sighs> yeah. So yeah, that was always a risk, and I'm really glad that they decided to make the whole set as gay as the actual Norse history and mythology it's supposed to be based on. And I would say even diverse racially more so, because I mean, I think the other piece that people want is that it's the white Norse, beautiful flowing hair that Aryan belief that they have versus the fact that Loki is definitely in no way, shape or form ever just a straight cis person in any way, in any medium well, Megan, I want to thank you so much for kind of coming on. Um, I want to give you a chance to be able to tell people where to find you again now that they've heard you just expound on these. And I know we're going to want to follow you and see your beautiful art. So point them to everything you do where they can support so you. If they want to just find everything really easy, sheepwave.com has links to my everything. It also has a it also has a gallery of I have certain art prints that are available for sale on cards. They don't have any copyrighted material on them. They are not Watsy proxies. They are just cards you could play in your decks if you want. Um I also do art commissions. Um you know, so some something to that we briefly talked about earlier was the idea of queer people being able to see themselves in magic. And something I do a lot, it, it's kind of like my main income, is I draw people and print them on cards so they can use a character that represents them on their commanders. You did an um, amazing pitiless plunderer of um Sam. Yeah, like that Samantha, was and it was just that was that actually wasn't intended to be a magic card at all it just it ended up fitting really well that's it it came out amazing for the the flavor so like for 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 a lot of people you know what they want to do is they want to push companies to be better representation but especially the nature of this card game is that we can be our own representation we can modify our appearances i think especially with like all the showcase frames and stuff that people are are just getting used to now you know maybe once upon a time people would look at like the kinds of decks i use as like what is this 
but now it's just kind of normal. Oh, I don't recognize a single thing in your deck. Wow, those showcases are real weird, huh? That that is I didn't I didn't know that secret layer had come out, but okay. Um so yeah, it's for commissions and stuff, people can reach out to me on Twitter, but again, sheepwave.com just has all my links to all my sites and all my uh, social media stuff. Like I said, Megan, thank you so much for joining us. And I think this is just starting the conversation. Um, Alex and I, behind the scenes, have said for a very long time that, you know, our biggest thing that we want to do is collaborate with people who, whose work we enjoy and people that we think are good ambassadors for communities. And we have wanted to talk about Alesha. We've wanted to talk about queerness and the trans experience and, and non-binary issues. We had, we just appreciate that you were willing to share your lived experience with us and with our audience. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, probably. Well, you'll, you'll be back if you want. So. I, I would be happy to return to talk about other things. I, I have this whole series of goofy goblins I can talk about whenever you want. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. HobbsQ can be found at HobbsQ, and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter, or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmokes, the task can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at hipstersofthecoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.